Welcome to episode 359 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio right, team, welcome along to episode 359 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Iles. How you going, mate? I am good. How are you, Bevan? What do you got on your t-shirt there? It's a new t-shirt. No, oh, it's not new. It's semi-new. It's a 2011 uh, winning Rugby World Cup t-shirt with all the names written on it of the oh, people in the team, I oh, think. Well, you've never worn it here before. Oh, wow. Who's the world champions? Yeah. <sighs> Hmm, maybe us. The All Blacks. Just finished Graham Henry's book, actually. Quite Did good. you like it? Yeah, I read it, it was quite well. good. Yeah, yeah. I read it. I got given it. Hmm. Oh, by, by Graham Henry. Did you? Yeah, yeah that's right. Cool. But um, I got it with my Sky subscription. <laughs> Did you? Nice. And uh, and I read it, and I was on the plane. I thought oh, I was leaving on the plane because I couldn't bother carrying it around because I was going somewhere. Mm. And then I got home, and I thought, oh, I probably could have given it to someone else. <laughs> but so be it. Selfish. Did you like it? Yeah, it was good. But let's get on with the show. Well, people might be interested. He's one of the best coaches ever. It is, it is a very good book. He's a very successful coach. Like his success rate in all all forms of rugby. It was eighty five percent. Yeah, in all forms. Maybe it was all blacks. One or the other. No, no, no. It was even. Yeah. As, I think maybe even all forms was higher. Mm. It was close to ninety, something around that. Mm. From the coach, from the day one of being a coach, right through to you know when he stopped being the all black coach, to have a win rate of nearly eighty five percent to ninety percent. Very solid. It's pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, okay, then. Uh, I'm talking proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. You can uh, get your coffee and kickstart your day. Athlinks.com. You can tell how people tell people how great you are. Extreme endurance. You can even get greater. Trainingpeaks.com. You can record your greatness. And slstry.com. And you're going to look. What are you going to look, John? Look, I'm going to look great. No, fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a website of the week, uh, Coach's Corner. Uh, I got asked a question about uh, my heart rate. So people following my blog um, on my website, Project 2014, and asking about my heart rate. What, what's the website, John? Coach John. Coach, Coach John, Project2014.com. I'm going to check it out because mm. I love it. I go there times a day. I've got some nice pictures, some criteria. You can check that out. Oh, I see. We're going to do that right now. Yep. But first of all, um, lastly, we've got an interview follow-up. So do, does that mean we have an interview? No, it does not. It means uh, I had a couple of questions follow-up with regards to the Paul Larson interview, which was around hydration um, and cramping. And so a couple of people asked me questions, So, and I thought I knew the answers, but I went to Paul and said, this is what I think. Is this correct? And he gave me a nice big answer. So uh, I will fill you in on that. Where do I go? Do I go training blog? Uh, John's Daily Blog, I think it is. John's Daily Training Blog. There we go. I'm looking mm. for the photos, John. Oh, look at that. He's got his brick. He's got more food pictures. More food pictures. That, I'll give you that one because you're in it. That is a quality That's breakfast. a nice photo. Did, yep. did Belinda take that? She did, yeah. Because she's with doing the, photography for yeah, your camera? She took it with her phone. No, she took it with her phone. She's got an iPhone. No, it's a phone. Wow. No. That's a pretty good photo. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got your swim that you've scribbled along <laughs> That's yeah, good. nice. Open water swim. Oh, he's got the wetsuit. Oh, mate, you're a stud. Yeah, sitting up in the trusty blue seventies helix. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this. The hill you ran up. Did you got a detail? How did you do the graphics? Did you put them in pages or something? And what do you mean? Well, how did you put that? You ran up that hill. You got a little arrow there. Oh no, yeah. Uh, I used Pixelmator, the one you told me to get. Did you like Pixelmator? Yeah, it's okay. Pretty good for thirty bucks, mate. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, you pay for what you get, John. 
Don't complain about that to You're me. Right. Should we start some triathlon news? Nah, people don't care about that. Okay, news. First of all, we've got a uh, new challenge race is going to be happening this week in, in uh, Tai Taiwan. Now, John, it's a 70.3. No, it's not. It's a full and a 70.3. Oh, it's a full. Three. Okay, good, great. So, so look, uh, they've got to start somewhere in Asia, and, and I can't remember when they announced this race, but I don't. it was, certainly was not a year ago. Um, and so I think a lot of people are probably already committed to particular races. But what we've got to remember about Asia is at the, up until a few weeks ago, um, there was next to no iron distance races, if, if any, well, uh, they'd all fall off the way, they? So now we have Challenge Taiwan, so great to see them coming in. Um, we've got Metaman as well. And, uh, we've John? Got, yep. Do Asians are not what the I'm in? Uh, well, now they've got I'm in Japan as well. Yeah, but they had China, mm-hmm. Malaysia. What mm-hmm. other ones have they had? Uh, Japan. Japan or Japan's, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the underlying fact is there's plenty of athletes there, but it's bloody difficult to do an Ironman in such extreme conditions mm. and I think that was the issue they had. Japan, that was just a case of, I think, Unfortunately, I don't know yeah. why the hell WTC took so long to get the, off their butts and get a race over there because um, there is a lot of athletes in Japan. All those other countries that we've been talking about, they, ne- they never really took off and because the conditions were just too tough to, to, get, uh, to get big international fields and I guess yeah, I think that was probably the main factor. People people went there to try to pick up easy qualifying slots in a lot of circumstances, but it was just it was just misery. So, is this is this a a good move by Challenge? Well, I think it's uh, I think it is because they've got the half there. I think if they were to do a standalone full, they're going to really struggle. And, and when we look at the, the Challenge Taiwan um, website, you know, in terms of their numbers for the full first year, they've got a couple a couple of hundred. Um, and if they were just, you know, to try to make that a financially sustainable race it's just I just don't think it's ever going to get up to that sort of thousand that you probably need to make it you know pay its way so by having a half there it looks like the numbers in the half are really good uh, I think that's the way that this race will um, will go and and as long as you get your numbers in the half I think you should be able to make it financially sustainable it sounds like another fantastic venue that they've got and uh, and I think that's what you've got to go you try to get the tourism money you know people are trying to this program will get beamed all around the world and try to get that that tourism cash from the local tourist authority and if they can they can do that properly then um, I think the stress will have good success but hey they haven't even had it yet so we've got to get some feedback from, from well, the athletes I think the thing that challenge has on their side is when they start a new race they do have that we can put you know a couple races on, even maybe even a short course race at some stage, or or you can do the teams thing. Mm. So they, they they have a lot more options to make themselves successful. Mm-hmm. Now with Ironman, sometimes they put a half on, very rarely, very rarely, and yeah. they never really do teams. No. So you know the Ironman has to make sure that it can go in and pretty much draw you know at least seven hundred people, really, isn't mm-hmm. it, to make mm-hmm. it sustainable. So you know challenge have that probably a better strategy for starting a race off. Yeah. Um, so it's good luck in an area like this. In terms of the um, the pro field, it's it's pretty it's relatively thin. Um, but uh, you got Dylan McNeese in there, uh, who's the winner from Wanaka. Wanaka. Um, I think Guy Crawford, Guy Crawford, this is your opportunity, opportunity to take out. Who, who do you pick, um, Dylan what, or Guy? Uh, Dylan's proved himself. If if, if you went. His race in Wanaka versus any the guy's best performance. I think Dylan takes it. Pretty good seventy point threes. So I think guys, guys, ready. If he can pull together, he just needs to pull together a run and uh, and not do anything too stupid on the bike. Um, you got Jamie White in there as well, who's a former um, Challenge Wanaka winner. Peter Verbrusik. If those guys are mucking around, he'll uh, he'll smoke them. And uh, you got a few other guys that I don't know a huge amount about. Um, ben Hammond, Frederick Cronenberg from uh, from Sweden. 
and uh, Justin Granger will be there nipping at their heels. Um, I can't remember if he's had a great race anytime recently, but you know he's he's just uh, he'll just be steady and uh, he'll yeah. be, he'll be there supporting Belinda, who's going to uh, ideally take out the uh, oh, the girls' race. I'm scrolling a little too fast. On the girls' side of things, you got um, Belinda Granger, Kate Bevilacqua. Jody Scott, not a bad Australian. Hillary's there as well, so the usual sort of challenge, um, crew. challenge crew. Yep. Uh, so I think that'll be a reasonably interesting race on the girls. So I think I think you'd have to say Belinda Granger should be the fairly clear favourite, but um, we'll see how those other girls go. John, I've been to Taiwan about thirty times. I've been there a lot, and admittedly, when I go there, I don't go to training areas. But when you speak to the locals about, this, I've spoken to a few triathletes, and they think it's a great place to train. So mm. I imagine it'll be a pretty, pretty cool. Well, race. It sounds like it's in a really nice national park, and it, yeah. uh, it sounds wicked. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm in Port Macquarie. Oh, 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 the other thing we've got oh. to say, good on challenge, um, bloody good prize money, and uh, €8,000 first is €50,000 prize pool, so it's it's pretty solid. It's it's worth the second-tier pros having, up, having yeah. a look at it. You yeah. know, when, when we look, at, and we're about to start harping and moaning about um, Port, Port, Port Macquarie, Macquarie, and from a pro perspective, um, the, and there's opportunities there. If you're a second-tier pro, back yourself, and look, Seventh place, a thousand euro. That um, looking at the fields, you know, seventh place, not going to be that tricky. You know, on the guys' side of things, there's twelve pros listed there. Um, you always got to bank on a few, a couple, maybe either not being there or pulling out or whatever. It's it's almost guaranteed money, and you know, you can pay your way, little, very little risk. So, um, pros, you have to prove your proneness. Yeah, you see that proneness exactly. You got to prove it. Prove your pro. How do you prove your pro if you don't have a pro card in your country? Uh, you just write to the National Federation. You say, say I'm a pro. Yeah. Well, no, you've got to say I'm, I'm half decent. I'm half decent? Yeah. Call me a pro. Yeah. Oh, Bevan's, no. Bevan's endorsed me. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, they gave you a bloody one, didn't they? <laughs> well, uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing some stuff to promote myself, I say I raced as a pro. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm in Port Macquarie, John. And one thing before we get into the kind of details is I've got this little link here to I'm in... Legends Club and what they're doing is they're really recognising the people who have done the race quite a few times over the years and each year they write down the people who have done the 10 years so once you've done 10 Ironman Australian Port Macquaries you go into the Legends Club and this year they've got about probably about 30 people no probably about 20 people yeah, but then you've got these 10-time finishes, your 15-time finishes, your 20-time finishes, your 25-time finishes one guy's 27 times John so I know these are, these Dave are, Ross yeah legendary 27 times yeah so, uh, I don't know how many how many they've had but it can't be many more than 27 because New Zealand's having its 30th anniversary coming up and I'm in Australia would only uh, New Zealand is I think the second oldest um, second or third oldest Australia I'm almost positive is not older than New Zealand so he's either only missed one or two if, if any so that's that's awesome so I think this is a Brilliant idea um, that they've got. And, you know, it's record records here all the new people that are going in there at these different um, five year or five time finishes, and then below that they have listed all the ten time finishes, eleven, twelve, thirteen, all the way up to twenty seven. So, I think it's fantastic, and that's from what I hear. This is you know, Ironman. This is called still called Ironman Australia, yep. um, but it's held at Port Macquarie. Uh, is that it is? It's a fantastic race, um, but it's a bit more about the age groupers. Um, you know, well, it has it, to have become, hasn't it? Exactly, and and, and that's and I don't want to harp and moan every time we come to one of these probably third. But, but you're about to harp and moan. I do, but I don't want to keep <laughs> keep keep going on and on about it because it is what it is, and and this is where I'm talking about from the pro perspective. So, 
I Man Port Quarry, I Man Australia is supposed to be fantastic race. Does it still sell out? This one? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in terms of the pros, it's a, it's a it's a small field, and I'm not taking anything away from the pros that are there. You know, fantastic. But well, reason, let's be honest, John. Four four chicks. Mm, mm. And the reason for that is it's a thousand points and it's twenty five thousand dollars prize money. Why would you turn up? Um, so I think WTC can't complain because they're not offering any money as such, and uh, are not offering very much money, and and it's piss poor points. So why would you turn up if you're a pro? The pros, I mean. Um, you can bitch and moan about there not being any prize money, but at the same weekend, you've got Challenge um, Taiwan, good money. Um, you've got Challenge Ken's coming up, which is good money. Um, you've got Challenge Wanaka races like this, which which is not particularly hard to get a reasonable placing in and get some money. But, John, I would argue that the pros probably aren't complaining because they're not turning up. Yeah. So, so like, I don't think there's many pros going out there or going, oh, well, this race sucks. No, you know, they're just going, well, you know what, let's not go. Yeah, and that's and so I don't think anybody. I mean, we can, we as a as a triathlon community, I think we should say, you know, this is really poor by WTC in terms of if you are selling out races and you're only investing that very small amount of money into the events. I think it's it's weak. I understand where they're coming from in terms of trying to tear the structure. Um, so, it's, but, the, but the bottom the bottom range needs to be higher. Yeah, I think so. John's even done some mess. Well, that's you? the thing. I thought you got the calculator out. Yeah, say there's two thousand people in the race. I don't know if there is or there isn't. Yeah, ten bucks on per person. Nobody's going to miss that when it's um, seven hundred and probably fifty bucks to enter or something. You do that, you're an extra twenty thousand no, dollars prize. John, money. don't do that. Why not? Don't do that. Do you know why? Because you just take, you just give them more money. You don't make the participants pay more. We pay a lot mm. to do an mm. Ironman. Mm. You know, you just take ten dollars off your profit a little bit to give some more back. Like the thing is, is there's this thing happening. Have you heard of Kickstarter? No. Kickstarter is basically a, a crowd-funded source material. So let's say you wanted to create a movie or you want to create mm. write a book, and you go to the audience, guys. I want to write a book. If you believe in my book, you can fund me to write this book. And each person will go to Kickstarter, and I'll put maybe five dollars in each. And you might give them something. You might give them the free PDF for the book or whatever. Now, what's happening right now is in the Kickstarter is that movie stars are kind of saying, "Well, I can get people to fund my movie to mm. get it started." So some real famous people who are quite wealthy. Um, you know, who are doing quite well, those guys are getting using Kickstarter to get their movies funded. But what's happening is they get the first part of the movie funded and then they go to the movie companies and the movie companies get all the profit anyway. Mm. So they're going, well, why, why should the fan pay for the movie company and make all the profit? And I kind of look at this in the same way that why should we charge more to the participants when really WCC should just be fronting up a bit more? Yep. You know, like it's, it's just trying to come up with I know, solutions. I get, what, I get your point. You know, mm. an extra if you took ten dollars off per participant, that's an extra twenty k that goes mm. towards. So I get why you're thinking that way, but actually, it's about WTC pulling their socks up. Exactly. You know, like it's it's unfortunate because the thing is, as much as this race has now become a bit more of an age group race, it's only because it's having no love. Mm. You know, you look, know. At, you look at Challenge uh, Taiwan and. They've got, they've not not got to sell out by any stretch of the imagination, and they're able to put on fifty thousand euros. Yeah, and these guys are putting on less than half that. So I think that's pretty weak. And also, if we think about the history of this race, you know, if you look at the list of winners who have won this race in the past, you've got oh, yeah. legends of the sport. Totally, you know, who've gone on and won this race, and it's a pity that now you look at this race and you go the pro field, uh, bit of a joke. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's not, not taking any away. Th- you know, we've got Luke Bell, we've got Jason Shortis, we've got some some oak, you know, some good pros here, but. Mm. 
Yeah, four, four female pros is a bit of a joke. It is. So last year, Paul Ambrose took it out um, in, in 8.17, and uh, Michelle Gailey from Australia took it out in 9.34. Um, as Bevan said, this year, Luke Bell and Jason Shortest are the top two seeds, um, and Patrick Evo uh, is also there, and Luke Whitmore. Patrick Evo took out Ironman Louisville uh, last year and uh, also had a second at Cozumel, uh and Louisville the year before, so good, consistent performer, um, but usually sort of sitting around about that sort of 8.50 to, to 9 hour mark as opposed to being um, in the range of sort of Luke Bell who's quite a bit quicker than that. Jason Shortis is always going to be there or thereabouts, and Torsten has Chris Lee on his start list. Now Chris Lee had a sensational race somewhere recently, was it, um, yeah, oh, let, let me, let me have a look. it might have been Melbourne, um, let me have a quick look here. Uh, Camp doesn't have his results on here, but he he raced sensation. I think it was Melbourne. He might have run up to like fifth or something. But anyway, he, if he's in uh, if he's in shape, he's uh, he could be on fire and could be one to one to take it out. So I think those are probably your main four your main four athletes there. But only ten or so guys on the the guys side of things, and on the girls side of things, as Bevan said, only four. Uh, you got. Rebecca Holschik, Nicole Ward, Tamsin Hayes, and uh, Ange Castle. The whole profile there it is announced, <laughs> and uh, and they uh, Torsten predicts that Rebecca Holschik will take it out in uh, nine forty one for a fifteen minute victory. So let's see if Torsten's right, and we come on next week. She's currently ranked fifty fifth in Torsten's ratings. Okay, well, there you go. And Luke Bell is only eighty seventh in Torsten's ratings. We did get an email from Greg Gorman saying, Hi guys, given the paltry total of just four female pro athletes competing in Ironman Australia and Port Macquarie on the weekend, what will become of the nearly $4,000 of allocated prize money for positions five through to eight? Four options I come up with. Divvy up the remaining prize money between the four female pros who did compete. Award prize money to the top four age group female athletes. Award the top four age groupers or give the money to charity. John, John, what does happen with that money? Well, I was trying to do a bit of digging around, and I, and I know in, yeah, as you said, some races they have uh, they do divvy it up and uh, and share it amongst the, the place getters. But I did as go the on, place getters, the pros. Uh, the, the pros that actually get money. So if, 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 for example, it pays eight deep in the woman and there's only four women, it gets divvied up, and I can't remember if it gets divvied up between just the women or the, or the men. And do and they women. have to finish with a percentage of time to get well, the money? Well, this is the thing. I, I couldn't find the answer to that. Challenge these days, um, you don't have to finish within a percentage. So wherever yep. you finish, you, you, get, you get the money. Um, Ironman, certain, they, they keep changing it. It came, came and went in terms of uh, whether you got the money if you finished within a percentage or not. But in terms of the prize money they've got there, it's 25000 so it actually only pays six deep. So it's 5000 for first, and it drops down to 750 bucks for for sixth place. So if anybody knows the answer to that, I'm keen to keen to find out. If any pros are listening out there, um, it would be nice to have an answer. But I did do a bit of scrounging around and I couldn't find the right answer for WTC races. Okay. Well, let us know, guys, because it would be really interesting to know. I have a feeling that nobody gets it. Well, of course, because WTC is then save more money. Oh, Bevan, do you not like WTC? No, I do, but I, I, I wish they looked after their approach more. Yes. Um, Challenge Family announces a partnership with Mark Allen Online. The Challenge Family and Mark Allen Online have announced a partnership that sees the coaching company of one of the greatest triathletes, sporting legends, partner with the fastest growing series of 
long distance triathlons this year, PR, a little bit there, John. Yeah. I'm doing my job for them. Um, in the partnerships, athletes will benefit from a tailored training programs through makeonline.com for each of the 18 challenge races around the world as well enjoy a unique access to Mark Allen himself through a series of online video seminars. So I don't often put news PR news stuff. like PR stuff like this in there but I just kind of thought that this is an interesting one for challenge to be sort of getting their claws a little bit more into the American market because there's obviously no American uh, challenge races at this stage. Um, although I suppose, I suppose you've got challenge... Penticton now, haven't you? So North America, yeah. North America. Um, but I just thought this is a really good marketing ploy by them to just get into, you know, obviously if you, if you listen to the show, you know all about challenge races, but there'll be heaps of people that don't listen to the show, don't even know what challenge probably is. Oh, and John. I've just gone to Mark Allen's blog. Yeah. It's got a picture of food. Oh, good oh, on you, Mark Allen. Mark Allen, sharp Yeah, up. yeah. Everybody start doing that and then send, send the link to Bevan. I wonder how much it costs you to get Mark Allen as a coach. It's it a one on one with Mark. Oh, it'd be a lot. If, if he even does it, I don't know. But yeah. You'd, you'd probably be looking up. Because yeah. Lewis is the guy who runs the website, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Mm. Um, but anyway, I thought it was just a really cool way um, for them to sort of be reaching into the American market a bit more. And let's wait and see if we see an American race anytime soon. Hopefully. Hmm. I'd like to see it happen. Mm. Okay. Um, here comes the big news. For here the comes the big news. Alistair Brownlee. 28.32 for a 10k, John. This is John's ITU update for the week. Uh, pretty impressive time. Well, yes, but no. Yes, yes, yes. I, I kind of feel the same. We've got to go. We can't just go uh, slagging off saying, oh, you'd get your ass kicked by the proper fast runners. Uh, and he would. But uh, it's still a pretty outstanding time for a triathlete to run 28.30. Um, oh, mind blowing. Mind blowing. So he did this at an invitation. The world record right now is 26.17. Yes. So, so he's still miles off the top. But what you, you got to remember with with a lot of ten thousand races is you can't just look at the times because yeah, there's a lot of tactics that goes on in ten thousand meter races. So he actually in second in, in the second heat though there was two heats, oh. and so the first heat was all the the super speedies. So he's, he's, when's the final? Maybe heat's not the right word. There was two races. Oh, what was it? Um, just because they probably had too many people. It's on a track, you know. You can't have that many people running a ten thousand on a well, track. He's the best in the world. Well, he would have got his, his ass spanked in the, if he was in the other race. Do you know um, the times of the other race? Well, I know the New, a New Zealand guy went about 27.45, um, which I think ranked. Uh, was that, was Craig it? Kirkwood was saying something about that, ranked him like third or fourth New Zealander of all time. Okay. So 28.32 is outstanding and yeah. head and shoulders above yeah. any, any other triathlete in the world and probably the fastest time ever by, by a triathlete. By pure but, triathlete when they're still in triathlon. Yep. yep. On the track. Uh, so outstanding. And he was and he was second in his heat. I think he got out kicked um, for, for the guy uh, by one other guy in his heat. So awesome, awesome run. And he stood he really is claiming that he's not at full fitness at this stage. You know, when he was in San Diego he was saying he's nowhere near what he was like in, in London. So, you know, let's just say he could go quite a bit quicker than that. But as Bevan said, he's um, he's still quite a way off um, being competitive in a high quality international field if he rocked up with that time at many sort of national level meets he'd he'd be in the mix he'd be right in the mix but in terms of going to a major international meet he's still quite a long way off the pace which you would expect he's a triathlete and he's not a pure runner Um, okay so i looked into it and um based on the research i did 
for him to get to the Commonwealth Games, he'd still need to be another 30 to 40 seconds to get the B standard. Yeah, so I think, I think the B standard was 27.50. Yeah. And, uh, so, and so he's still a little bit off it, but because ultimately it seems as though the Commonwealth Games, if he were to go down his path, would be the goal. Yes, that's what he's, what he's and looking And so would 40 seconds, because 40 seconds at that pace is, is, a, is lot. a lot. So I don't think it's, it's a lot. It's but not, if he it's, it's not spent, possible. No, but, and if he were to spend just a focused period of time running. Yes, he, he, I think he'd be get, starting to get closer. And who knows if that was a perfect race for him. He might have run 28.30, having a crappy, crappy day, feeling like rubbish. And um, just because he gets to be standard, like we think, you know, you think of the UK runners. Oh, yeah. You know, the chances, are, it's going to be pretty tough. But hey, so at, at champion- I, love it. I love it that he's having a go. Yes. Uh, at championship races, you know, you look through, you, you, you talked about the world record, and if they're going for a world record, they have to be on have some pace setters and all that sort of stuff. But I, I looked at, I think, the 2011 World 10,000 metres, I think they ran 27.15. So, and you got to remember, he's going to be getting lapped at that speed. You know, those guys yeah. are doing ballpark one minute per lap. It's a little bit more than a minute because um, it's 25 laps and they run 27. So it's a little yeah. bit over a minute, but he'll, he'll be getting lapped. And you know what it's like when you see runners getting lapped. They look like they're not even oh. moving, and um, yet he is still running awesomely. Well, John, his, his problem was he was born in the wrong time. Because I did my research on this one, John. If he mm-hmm. was born in 1956, or if he was his age now in 1956, he'd be the world record holder. Right. So he just he just timed it wrong. Not quite right. Yeah. Yep. You know. So if he, in 1956 in July 15th, 1956, Sab- Sandor Aharis mm-hmm. did a 28:42 for the world record, and he was from Hungary. But then in September 56, September 11, mm-hmm. um, uh, Velagma cuts. Took it out in twenty eight thirty two. We lost his world record then. Nice, John. Have you ever done a sub thirty one? No way. Haven't you? No sub way. Thirty one twelve. Thirty one twenty. No. Uh. Try sub thirty three, and I'll be getting in my range. I'll be going back into the eight, the nineteen no. hundreds. Nineteen twelve is as early as it goes. And what was that? It was thirty one twenty. There you go. So, uh. so have you done? Have you did it then? Tell you what, the finish were fast in the early part of the century. Mm. The finish had all the world records. So from nineteen twelve right through to forty four, the Finns were the fastest. And even one guy from Czechoslovakia took it out in forty nine. But then the Finns took it back. That's fascinating. Ron Clark from Australia was pretty sharp. He was. Yeah, he was pretty sharp. No Kiwis ever had the ten thousand meter record. No. We got the gold in 1976 at the Commonwealth Games, so Dick Taylor, QE2 Stadium in Christchurch, took okay, it out. Did Snell never go no longer? No, 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 no way. Well, but you know, nowadays, those guys go longer years to get older, don't they? Yeah, but no, no, he never went longer. Uh, okay. uh, just kind of a quick bit of IT news. Had the St. Anthony's uh, 5150 at the weekend. It was a bit of an interesting field there. You had uh, um, Jan Fredino take it out in 147.05, but you also had guys like Greg Bennett, Sven Riederer. Um, and on the girls' side of things, what was really interesting was Alicia Kay, who I don't know a lot about, took it out from Nikki Samuels and Emma Moffat. Marinda Carfrey was down there in sixth place. But it was quite interesting seeing a bit of a mix of the uh, some of the longer course guys. And this is a non-drafting race. 
space. And what is kind of cool this year, and I'm going to go into this more in a, in a moment, is we're seeing a lot of the athletes trying different things. The ITU regulars, um, they're not just sticking to the ITU circuit because it's, there's no Olympic qualifying on the on the radar. Yeah. Um, it's a good time to just tip your water. Yeah, so they're all they're all trying a few different things, which is kind of cool. And non-drafting race, I'd be interested to know how much drafting there really was or whether it was non-drafting because I don't think it's a particularly hard course. But good to see Jan Fredino back on top because he has been struggling for quite some time. Okay, John, um, how did Kent Kemp go? Uh, I didn't see his name. Okay. And then, um, was Formula One? Uh, and this was another one. Um, carrying on from that theme, they had a Formula One style race uh, midweek after the latest ITU race in San Diego. And you had um, a double super sprint, so two times 375 swim, 6K run, 1.5K run. And you had Aaron Royal, the under 23, take it out from uh, Lauren Vidal and Ivan Veselov. And uh, Sarah Groff taken out from Gwen Jorgensen and Andrea Hewitt. So 20,000 prize money. Yeah, so it's not a lot. Um, well, when you consider bloody Western Australia's only got 25. I mean, true. Australia's only got 25. Got, these guys took 30, 37 minutes. 37 minutes? Tell you what, return on investment's a lot better. But I just think hats off to Laurent Vidal and Andrea Hewitt and, uh, and Sarah Groff and Gwen Jorgensen, big names that would have raced at the weekend going on and supporting this um, different format of, um, of racing, and I think this is the way of the future. John, you're not yep. going to like this, but I'll go this weekend, Lance. Oh, okay. Now, we all know now that they're now going for his money. Yep. But what's really fascinating about this, John, I was listening to the radio the other day, and, I, and so basically Fraudlanders, I'm reading this out right now, so Fraudlanders was stripped of his 2006 Tour de France Championship after a positive drug test. He now stands to collect millions if the case filed under the Federal False Claims Act goes forward and succeeds. False Claims Act whistleblower suits, so this is what he's been done with, which date from the Civil War eras, are a mechanical... A mechanism, oh, no, mechanism, mechanism. There we go. For encouraging someone with information about fraud against the government, oftentimes an insider in a case of wrongdoing, to come forward, explains Peter Chetfield of Washington-based Phillips and Cohen, which specialises in such cases. The patent's reward is a percentage of the money that, that is received. Yeah. So, fifteen to 25 percent uh, of the U.S. Department of Justice joins the action and takes the lead in the role. In the case, or 25 to 30% if the plaintiff pursues the case without the government's help or resources. So Floyd Landers could end up with up to 30% of the money if they mm-hmm. get Lance. And they're saying they're going for, what was it, the 30 million and then times three. So they're trying to get triple there. All right. So so Floyd Landers, let's say worst case scenario for Lance Armstrong, mm. he, he gets $90 million gets taken off him. Yeah. Now I'm sure, I'm sure that probably won't happen. Who knows what will happen. But Floyd Landers potentially could get up to 30% of that money for being the whistleblower. Oh, oh wow. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? In my mind, is blind. Floyd Landers playing a little, oh, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> hey, I'm a nice guy. I'm, I'm here for the people. I made an error. I'm not denying it, but I'm a nice guy. And, uh, wow, that, uh, that blew my mind away. Going after him. Wow, whistleblower. Mm. So Floyd Landers, maybe you could sponsor the show. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other huge piece of news this week is uh, there's going to be a camp on in Tanyapura. It's all science. Oh, we're putting in the news, are we? We are okay. putting in the news. Fifth okay. to eighth of September. I'll have a bit more detail on it next week, but fifth to eighth of September, uh, it's going to be at the Tanyapura with myself and uh, and Jurgen Zach. It's going to be four days of pretty intense training. Um, four day camp. Four day camp. Taking Belinda. Uh, no. Oh. Um, really good time to if anybody's going to Kona in the Asia 
area to get in. We're going to be doing some pretty decent mileage in, in four days. It's going to be a 180k ride. I think there's going to be 150 and a, and a 120 and a 90, something like that. It's going to be pretty solid. If you want more details on that, um, pop me a note through or pop the guys at Tanya Pour a note. I'll hook you up with them if you come through my coaching site. And uh, it's going to be awesome. We go on and on about how nice Tanya Pour is, and now I'm actually going to experience it for myself and uh, do some high quality training. Or if you're not going to Kona or if you're you're building up for a, uh, you know the Laguna Phuket race or the 70.3 in Phuket. It's really good timing. So start of September, 5th to 8th of September. What, what price range? Uh, it is... Uh, 1100 US for four nights, all inclusive. Um, it's everything. Everything. That really nice good. accommodation, food, me, you and Zach. Um, there's you a massage John. in there. Yep, yep. Do you massage them as well? I give them a massage. John. And there's going to be a few clinics and stuff in there as well. So it's going to be a combo of um, high intensity training and not high intensity, high high volume training. And uh, remember, and guys, that if you are thinking about doing this, because it seems pretty well priced and it's, it'll be a great thing. Remember, it's one of those things when you bring your partner along, they can get all, like, all exactly. the kind of other side of the things done. They've got the, yeah. the mind camps or just that kind of relaxation side of it. Just so you can bring your partner on. Yeah, and you could be training all day. They can be doing their own thing. And at night, you get to get her some dinner and you'll probably fall asleep, but you don't tell exactly. them that. Exactly. You know? So check it out. Nice. Where, where do you go? Uh, just come to my coaching site. I haven't got anything anything too formal together yet, but just go to okay. coachjohnnewsome.com or project coachjohnproject2014.com and flick me an email and I will sort you out. Okay, John, sponsor. Athlinks. So Bevan, um, what was I going on to Athlinks yesterday for? I was getting ready for something or other. Oh, that's right. Somebody asked me about heart rates and stuff and uh, and and I was trying to think when the hell I last did my marathon. I couldn't remember when I did the Auckland Marathon. I knew it was, it was, it was two years ago. There you go. It was actually two and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But I was trying to figure out, I was going, oh, was it 2010, 2011? Can I go to the website and I'll have to muck around? You know what I did? What did you do, John? Just went to Athlinks. <sighs> Boom. Clicked on uh, results. Then they have all my marathons What did you get overall? Well, there was a, it was a, it was a ten, tenth with an asterisk. What does that mean? Well, I thought I got I thought I got eleventh, um, but they seemed to give me the prize for tenth. And then when I looked at the results, I think I was eleventh. Hey, they give you tenth, John. I'll take tenth. They gave you tenth. Yeah. Top ten in a marathon is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've never done that. Um, and so I just uh, go, go on and on about this, but I really do think that if you want to store your results in one place, Athlinks is the place to do it because uh, they can go on there, find boom, all your marathon results in one time and one one go. You can it does all your sprint distance triathlons, does all your Ironmans, you compare them on a like for like base. You don't have to go scrolling through you know, pages of results to find what time you did. Um, and the reason I was doing that, I was trying to find trying to find my heart rate file for when I ran the marathon, and I couldn't end up finding it anyway. But um, yeah, great place to store everything. Also, I want to give a bit of love to the uh, the people who finished Challenge One. We got a lot of Challenge stuff today, but that's all good. Um, they, they've given us a lot of money on behind the scenes, have they? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how we roll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so they the, haven't. By the way, that was a joke, just for the record. <laughs> well, <laughs> if they want to, yeah. <laughs> come talk to us. Maybe we're just buttering them up. Um, so at the challenge race um, in the I'm going to go for the first finishes in the, the half distance race oh nice Monica. nice so Mike Rogard uh, took it out was first athletes finisher just ahead of Lawrence Piddock Pidcock uh, in 4.43.12 and 4.43.19 and they were ninth and 10th respectively and let's have a look at the girls side of things genders genders Hold on, there we go. Female, 1 to 100. Look up. And loading. Who have we got here? 
Sarah Bryant took the race out from Reuben Bishops. First athletics finisher was Cat Cassidy. Cat Cassidy, that's a good name. 6.13.06 in, what was her place overall? Mm, 46, 46 female. Oh, Zania Morrison, you just missed out there by three minutes. Oh, really? She was at 50 seconds. Saw her at the pool this morning. Did you? Every Tuesday morning, see Zania at the pool. Zania and Ian turn up just before I get out. So, nice work. How's the instrument training going? Uh, Achilles issues. Oh, really? Yeah. He's got, the new, he's got the new power meter, though. He's, I sent him down to get a new um, power to max one from bikecycle.co.nz. Yeah. He's loving the power meter. Really? Yeah. Well, that's good. Loving it. Loving it. Well, John, speaking of results. Yes. So, last week we talked about Helltail's result. Yep. And you went that... that I was so. Some, I saw that on Facebook. Someone was giving you a hard time saying, John, you weren't that loving towards Helltel. I said it was not too shabby. Yeah, but yeah. Well, not too shabby. Helltel. Now, where did he get? Let's have a look here. Helltel. What time did he do? 2.32. See, like I can remember it. It was 2.32. How And he did it. And he did it in costume. Did he do it in costume? I'm pretty sure he did. No. I'm almost positive. What kind of costume? A running I, costume? I don't know what sort of costume, but I'm almost positive he did it in some sort of costume. How restrictive that was, I don't know. How tall? You can send us through it a, a picture or something. We'll put it on the website. Pretty pretty good balance race. He did 115 for the half. Nice work. Yeah. 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 Tough, tough, tough. But got 49th, 48th overall. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that shows the, the caliber. I'll be interested to see. You got 10th and you did a 38. 38, yeah. 238, and he did 232, and he got 49, 48. But I bet he would have been one of the first. I don't know if they classified as age grouper, but non-elite races. Oh, I don't know, John. They're pretty quick at London. There's so many. Yeah, I still don't think. Be, I mean, when you look at the start of the pros, the men's pro race, there would have been. I watched it on TV the other day. No, John. No, John. Actually, category place. Yeah. 43. Category place. That's what I say. It's place category. But maybe it's just male. Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought it's so. Pretty impressive, but no, it's very impressive. It must suck when you have such an awesome marathon, you only get fiftieth. Oh. Like most other marathons in the world, he would be easily top ten. Most other marathons, not most other major marathons. Not major, mean. I just said most. Yeah, <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay, so let's, they haven't really got a no, non-pro section, so you can't really. Yeah, but still, he'll tell you a legend in my eyes. And following on from that, uh, and I'm going to make it happen, is you discussed having the, the leaderboard for the fastest. Oh, you um, wanted you, you were quite keen on that idea, were you? Craig Kirkwood got on the bandwagon pretty quickly and started emailing <laughs> me through his, all his results. And I said, well, hang on, buddy. Let's have some results for when you've actually turned into a triathlete, not from... We're going to have to put a few a few stipulations okay, on Okay, so it. we're going to have a, web, a page on a website? Yeah, it's going to be the leaderboard. The leaderboard. And what's the criteria, John? Um, well, so we have a fastest Ironman swim, fastest Ironman bike, fastest Ironman run. And we have fastest T1, T2. Oh, okay. And I know that's going to vary massively. I mean, anybody doing Ironman New Zealand, you're not going to have the fastest T1 no, you, you compared to road. New Zealand team, there's a lesson in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I think we probably probably should have like maybe just marathon and maybe 10K. There's not really much point having standalone bike ones, I don't think. No, because they're too variable, aren't they? Too variable and likewise with swimming. Yeah, but um, then we're going to get the short course factor, John. What do you mean short course factor? You know, 10K races, you do races all the time that are short. Yeah, if it's a standalone, we may have to have a GPS verification file. Okay, maybe we'll do that. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna submit, you got to send us your, um, GPS. your GPS file. Yes, mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. That sorts that problem out. It does. If you don't own a GPS watch, time you buy one. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I'll get that instigated. That's gonna be the best tool for your return on investment is your GPS watch, isn't it? 
It is for the good. money you spend. Mm. You know, you, you're just copying what um, what uh, DC Rainmaker said. I didn't actually. Oh. I, no, I didn't. I just obviously we're just aligned with great thinking. Sure. It's no because you get a heart rate monitor and a GPS watch nowadays for you know around three hundred bucks. Mm. It's pretty good. Mm. You know, remember when the old days a heart rate monitor would cost you bloody five hundred bucks. Yep. And I was hopeless back in those days. Yep. I had one that get, I'd get it replaced every three months because the water would leak. You just didn't look after it. You didn't care for it. Was, you were meant to swim in it. You know? <laughs> it was creepers. Anyway, um, discussion of the week, John. So last week we had Sam Newell send through this question. Do you think that the age group ranking system will lead to WCC changing the qualifying criteria for Kona into a ranking system? If they do this, what would be the positive and negative sides of doing it? Rob Dallymore, good question. Quite possible. Negative, it would suck for Kiwis because we only get the chance um, to chase spots twice in our country and can't always afford to get to Aussie or further aboard. Positive? Nope, can't think of any. You keep talking because I'm, I'm still pulling it up. Okay, Matt Mahalka. Sounds too complicated. I doubt it. It isn't particularly fair to those that don't have many WTC events around them and they can't that they can compete in. Plus, it would lead to someone competing in Kona without having completed an Ironman. BJ Christensen's got, I like the idea, but my wallet likes the idea of getting it done at one race, not several, mm. which is a good call. Ned Phillips, let's hope they don't. It would it would mean the end of roll down, which is such a great part of our sport, seeing the joy and emotion as people wait to see if they get a spot. Also, for us in Asia, it would suck. Okay, Andy Slight's got... Does sound like a money-making scheme for the WTC in the pipeline. Why not be honest and just sell 200 Kona slots to the highest bidders and split the money made between the WTC and the prize purse? And then you have your million-dollar prize purse, John. See, WCC yeah. makes stacks more cash and the pros will be more happy too. Mm. Uh, David Barrett, I'm not going to read all of his out. I doubt this um, is WTC's plan, but if it was, I don't see why they would. There's no USA TV value in this unless they were to move Ironman Worlds from Kona to another location, say rotation like the ITU. Hear me out. Hear him out, John. <laughs> we know. Um, where we, is this? Where, where is it? Uh, it's David Barrett. We all know the TV value is focused on the USA audience, and it's usually more about the inspiring stories than the pros and the age groupers, and it's a gateway to the MDOT brand, which is still a very US-centric brand. You could maintain the Kona mystique and keep the TV eyeballs or do better if you made Kona the US championships, and many see it, it, it as this already. By drawing the top pros and age groupers with world champ aspirations to another location, you leave the US champs in Kona to still draw as many uh, a US TV audience by keeping Kona as age group qualifier. Keep the very US skewed lottery and keeping the made for TV um, invitees too. If you have a greater chance of a US pro athlete winning Kona, you would improve the US TV coverage too. Then, a true world championship, you could have a second opportunity for TV coverage for the rest of the triathlon world. You up to the TV coverage, you up to the sponsorship, you up the pro purse, you win, etc, etc. You really did hear him out, didn't you? I did hear him out. Because you said, I'm just going to kind of shorten this one. But and he said, hear me out. And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm obligated now. Yeah. Dave Harakir has got, I believe there is a probability that it may change to a point system that rewards athletes for doing MDOT races. If that's the route it goes, it will push a large number of athletes out of the equation because of the financial, geographical, and logistical restrictions. Will the race still go has to fall out? 
hell yeah. Um, with the quality of the field change, will the quality of field change? Heck yeah. But at the end of the day, their goal may simply be to get more people to do all the variety of their races and the point systems would accomplish just that. My last one, Evan Stilwell, I think it could work, but only if they also limit the total number of races used to tally your points to say a max of three and count the best two. Unless they weight the points, there will be no difference to the existing system. Okay, Xavier Kennedy's got, yes, this is the way to go. With so many WTC races on the map, it makes total sense. There is not just as so many as many slots. So John, your thoughts? I think I hate this idea. Absolutely hate it. Wow, um, hate's a strong word. It is a hate. Yeah, it is yeah. a strong word. I think. Uh, I mean, I, people know what I think about there being slots at seventy point three races, except for the ones that I'm doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. in all seriousness, I think the only seventy point three slots it should be is at the uh, maybe the, the championship races yep. and uh, and probably at Kona for the probably for the locals only. Um, so I just think it's a dumb idea. I really do. I think um, just. I don't think the system's broken at the moment. I think uh, I think they should have races that don't have slots, you know, um, and stack particular races a bit more with um, with more spots because they are going to be rolling out more and more Ironmans. Um, and I don't like the races where there's only sort of thirty or forty slots. I'd rather there be less number of races with more slots and a lot of num- and, and, and a number of races with no slots. But I really don't like this qualifying system. Um, it forces people to do more races, which may be their their, their motivation to do that but from a New Zealand perspective you know we're, we'd be absolutely screwed um, because we've got two races and um, and I just don't like it Bevan I really don't how many, how many races do you do a year how many triathlons does the well, average I'm triathlete a, do a year yeah, yeah not, I'm not a good example but no. but you know if, if for people that I coach um, you know they might do if they do an Ironman they might do one or two halves and maybe one or two others so I think so a couple of sprints a couple of halves yeah yeah, and an Ironman yeah. would be a typical year. It's very different if you look at it from a US perspective. You've got seventy point threes all over the place. Well, really, if, what the oh, if that's their market. Well, the, well, what they're thinking is how do we make sure that when people make those choices about races, they are WTC races, mm. you know? And really, because they're just going basically, we've got our client base. How can we get more money out of the client base? And in doing that, um, you know, how do we encourage that to happen? Now, I don't think the ranking system is very good because it's just a bit top heavy. You know, mm. like who really cares if you're halfway through the field? I don't think many people have probably even gone and checked the ranking system. You know, since it's come out, I don't know if it's the answer that, to the problem they're trying to solve, but. That, that may be something that would work. So do you like the status quo or you would like a ranking system? Oh, no, I don't like a ranking system because I think mm. it does make it too, too – it just favours people who can afford to – because the thing is, if you are going to do all WTC races, you are doing premium price races. Mm. And for, you know, like if we look back to that research, who was it that Gary – was it Gary? No, um, the, the triathlon business guy. Run, run, try or – No, remember the interview we did with the guy from England? Gary Rowe. Ro- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, you know, triathletes aren't actually as rich as we make out they are. You know, mm-hmm. if, you know, sure. If you look at the triathletes mags, bloody PR, mm-hmm. you know, or merchandising kind of thing, they say we all earn about one hundred and fifty to two hundred grand a year. Two fifty a year is the average yeah. wage. <laughs> you know, and we're definitely the one percent if that's the case. Yeah. But this other research is kind of saying actually most triathletes are kind of run of the mill, kind of doing okay, but not. Yeah, it's it's still an affluent sport, but it's not. But it's not. You know, you, not even not everyone can afford to pop out six hundred bucks for every race. Exactly. You know, and so then it becomes is it, really Kona just who can afford to get there yeah. if you go down the system. And I kind of don't like that. Yeah. So I don't think the system's broken. I think it needs a little bit of tweaking. I um, think one thing that would be cool that you could do right now is 
we've got the legacy now, which is mm-hmm. 12 Ironmans, you, yep. you get your Kona slot. But maybe even within each race, a percentage of all slots have to go into a lottery for all entries. So let's say Ironman New Zealand, you've got 60 slots. You know, 54 of those slots are all going to go to everyone in, uh, for all the mm-hmm. age group champions because they deserve it. But then you might have six slots that go into a lottery for everyone who's entered the race. Funny you should say that, Bevan. I think that's what they're doing in New Zealand this year. Oh, really? Well, I think they have 10 extra slots that it, because it's a, and it's just a lottery system. Yeah. And you, I yeah. just do like the idea that, unfortunately, Kona is, unless you go in the lottery and you win it, unfortunately, Kona is only the elite people of our sport get to experience it. Hmm. And now we've got the legacy, but it would also be nice to get that person who's only going to do a couple of years of Ironman hmm. to go and have a chance of being able to do yeah. Kona. So I think it needs some tweaking, but I think this ranking system, if they bring this in, I think that it's going to be a really bad move. And we've had heard nothing that they may do it whatsoever. No, no, We're it's just totally speculation. speculating. John, I'm going to veto this week's question. Oh, I thought it was a good one. But no, okay, what? I'll save it for next week. What, what, what is it? Oh, oh, I'm going to veto this week's question. <laughs> what is it? There's one more thing you could do to try and... I'll, I'll save it for next week, if, if, as long as you've got a good one. Well, okay, let's let's put on a WTC cap and say, if we were to run WTC and we're actually trying to make more money, what would we do? Okay. Because we're often quite critical of them trying to make more money, yeah. but they are a business, and you know what, like what I hate it, they are a business that's you know trying to make a profit, and you know, at the end of the day, their measurements are going to be around their money coming in. So what would we do if we were to look at the business of WTC and what we do to make more money. Okay. You like that one? Yeah, it's fine. It's actually pretty good, isn't it? What was it again? It <laughs> <laughs> was pretty sharp, mate. I was happy with that one. God. Uh, so, yeah. So, if you were the business owner of WTC, what would you do to make more money? Yes. I'd be interested to see what you guys say. Well, you know what I'd do? I'd probably do a ranking system. Okay. <laughs> right. Chuck, uh, in, chuck in some music, Bevan. some music? Okay. F- There's a long news section. Where are you going? Where are you going? Going for a wee. Oh, okay. 15 minutes for news, mate. You go for a wee. We don't really have a, a, an intro. Interview follow-up. Interview follow-up. So a few weeks ago we had an interview with um, Paul Larson, who is from High Performance Sport New Zealand, um, sub-10-hour Ironman athlete, caused a bit of controversy. Well, we a lot of discussion around it. Mm. So it was really focused on hydration and um, cramping and a bit of nutrition stuff thrown in there as well. Take-home points, John? Take-home points were his were that electrolytes are not – uh, you can't really replenish your, your electrolytes when you're racing. So, yep. And thirst is your gauge. Thirst is your gauge. We're looking for two parts glucose, one part fructose when, yep. we're, when we're looking at carbohydrate and you're really only looking at you know, 1.5 grams um, so, per minute of exercise. So quite a bit of, um, yeah, some, some new stuff, some stuff that some of us already knew. But I think the thing that a lot of people struggle with a bit is the, the electrolyte intake um, and sodium whatever and they're thinking oh well, I've cramped before and I've taken electrolyte and it's worked and we kind of discussed that one question that I had um, from a few people if we don't take electrolytes um, what about hyponatremia and um, my sort of response to that was if you drink to thirst then it won't really be an issue because um, uh you won't be drinking too much, and hyponatremia causes when you just drink excessive amounts. And um, and as Paul said, you can't really absorb the electrolytes anyway. So if you if you 
yeah, so basically, uh, right. So Paul's answer though, in, in more concise um, form yeah, than what the mod I've given you. Yeah, because this, 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 <laughs> this is a confusing issue. I know. Intuitively, it would make sense that if you consume sodium, that would offset hyponatremia, a low cons- salt concentration on your blood. But the sodium amount in sports drinks is so minimal relative to your blood sodium concentration, which is closer to the amount of salt that's in the ocean, that it dilutes it. To give you an example, imagine if you have a bucket and bucket of ocean water. What happens to the concentration of the sodium in the bucket of ocean water when you start to pour in your sports drink? Think about it. You're diluting the sodium concentration in the bucket. Same issue in us. Um, we've got a link to a study um, where sodium was ingested during an Ironman and made no difference. Um, and we maybe have a link yep, on I'll that on the site. Um, and so when I sent him my sort of... Um, my response is he said, yes, if you drink to thirst, it won't be an issue. Your body body has finely tuned mechanisms to figure out exactly what it needs in terms of water and carbs during racing. Keep up with the carbs if racing Ironman, like we've, I've mentioned, um, and see neverbonk.com guidelines, and drink to thirst. Thirst centers in hypothalamus <laughs> detects the osmolality concentration of your blood and will tell you to drink in accordance with this. B, you can absorb you you can absorb the electrolytes, but the, their amounts are so small that it makes no difference. You have all on board that you need for a day of Ironman racing. Um, one second, I wasn't with you. Okay, where are you? Uh, one thing about the good quality electrolyte carbon drinks is that they have a good ratio of glucose and fructose. Fructose. Um, he doesn't mention. Mal- oh, this this is this is another follow up from um, from Em as well because she was asking me a couple of questions about it as well, and I've got, to, got to trying to figure out how you can get the glucose and fructose mixed right because some products and there are a few out there um, in terms of sports. If you go to his website, he has actually got a list of some of the products that have the perfect hmm. 60-30 kind of ratio. Um, but others don't, and I was like, well, "How do you figure out what the glucose and fructose um, ratio is? Ratio yeah, how do you look if, at if, if they yeah. don't?" And so that's still an, an unanswered question, um, and I've got to follow up on that. Also, Paul um, sent a uh, a link that he's got on trizone.com.au about the sports drink debate as well. So just a little bit of follow up. One thing I would say: some people are saying, "Oh, this is all a load of rubbish," and you should never really listen just to one person. You know, Paul said this is the way we found out from sports science that it is. You should use that as a, as a marker point to go out and do a bit more research, play around with things. Um, it doesn't sound like there's really any harm to having electrolytes, but how beneficial they may be is is debatable. So, um, well, I think I, I think. You've got to do a bit of trial and error, mm. you know, and because there's that thing I talked about when we had the interview where if you trust you have a system that's worked for you, especially for the experienced athlete, you kind of know what works for you. Now, maybe that's placebo, maybe you are wasting a lot of your money because the thing is, there is a cost to using electrolyte drinks, mm. you know, and if you don't need that, you can save yourself money and, you know, and put it towards the pro's prize money, you know, and so, <laughs> but if, if you, you know, so it's about trial and error and, and I think you've got to try, choose the moments where you're going to trial not using electrolytes, so you might use a C-race and the ones where you're going to go with something that you trust a bit more and that what you learn end up trusting may change over time but, you know, it, it will come from you doing a bit of trial and error. You've got to believe it. So you've got to practice it, you've got to believe it and that stems back to that interview we had quite a while ago with the nutrition guy, uh, Norton Hadler. He said, you know, you've got your diet, you're going to work with it. You believe it, it's going to be, it'll probably be okay. If you have a nutrition plan, you practice it enough and you believe in it. Um, well, Norton I th- I think also you, saying your diet's not really the problem. Yeah, yeah, I think you significantly improve your chances of it working because there is some neuromuscular thing going on with cramps and stuff and uh, you just got to 
believe in what you're doing, practice it. Well, and I think ultimately with the, the cramming stuff is, you, are you training enough? Are you conditioning your body enough? Exactly. And I think that's one of the most important things that I men don't do, and we've talked about this a lot in the past, but it's really important. You need to race a lot. You need mm-hmm. to race a lot in, in all types of racing because we all know that when you're training, you never go as hard as what you do on race day. And so as much as you can train like an animal, race day brings another level out of yourself. And so if you can do more racing, bike racing, some run racing, some triathlons obviously, then your body is going to be more conditioned so you're not going to hit that fatigue rate early. One thing I'm definitely going to be incorporating into my plan over summer is making sure that I do um, – a good number of long runs in the heat of the day, middle oh. of the day, because that's something we often steer away from is, you know, you go get up and you do your, your early Sunday morning run. You're getting off the bike, you're going to be running generally in the peak heat of the day yep. and um, you've got to practice it because that's when, you know, yeah, that's, totally. when, that's when you're racing. So there we go. Just I'll a put a link to all those kind of things on www.iamtalk.me this week. Sponsor. Oh, do we actually tell them what Melto Drexton was? It's a glucose. Did you want to? Oh no! Oh, that was from him. Yep, maltodextrin is glucose. Okay. I, I need to. I need to do a bit more research on all this sort of stuff. Okay. Even basically, okay. you, you, how things break down and really? what have you. Okay. Um, sponsor SLS Try, and it's sale time, John. Even du, 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 du. Who, who loves the sale? Oh, we both do. <laughs> Thank you, and I love. I only sale. shop at sales. Oh, good. I never pay full price. Yeah. That's why I love going overseas because I always find outlet malls. Yes. Outlet malls rock. Yep. Linda and I have got a, a nice uh, 24 hours in uh, Honolulu on the way home, staying a night in Honolulu, coming back from camp. Yeah, the outlet mall we were in Honolulu was okay. can't remember. Yeah. We, what did we buy there? Uh, you bought a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, I always do. clothing. Um, yeah. Nothing too riveting. But anyway, um, he said, well, the thing. Remember we went, John and I went to the outlet mall, and then we went and got sushi from a sushi train place afterwards. Remember none of it was cooked? Remember the meat was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That chicken. Yeah, it was like, you can't can't eat raw chicken. Mm. And there was bits of it that were just raw. Yeah, that was at um, the main shopping centre. Yeah, that wasn't a bad thing. That's when we bought my computer. Yeah, 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 and it was oh, it wasn't good. Oh, that's a good thing with SLS; it's always sales. Yeah, sushi is always good. You know, well, you can yeah. use the promo code I am talk, and you always get yourself a nice, healthy discount. But, but look you, at that! But but uh, go and check out the, the, some of their sale items as well. Um, they got tri suits, uh, they've got uh, tri tops, they got tri shorts, they got bib shorts, compression bib shorts. Yeah, um, we're two forty now, one hundred and twenty, John. Half price, Bevan. Look at that! Nice rear pocket. Nice. They got a they got a FRT woman's tri race top was it's only 45 bucks US got a nice little floral thing going on there it's all looking good so get on SLS for some uh, some good sales stuff um, if you're going into your racing season make sure you look after your legs with a bit of compression stuff if you're coming into the, the non-racing season for the southern hemisphere athletes if you're building up for running races I live in those flipping compression tights after I do hard workouts and uh, if you just need a pair of compression socks these guys are the ones that will help you out. So check it out, slstry.com. They've got our I Am Talk tri suits and uh, two pieces on there as well. They've, they've, People uh, are loving the shorts. Yeah, they've got to do a um, another order. They've got they've they've filled all their order at the moment, and they've, they've got some more stuff coming out in terms of the I Am Talk gear. It's uh, it's going like hotcakes. So uh, check it all out. slstry.com, guys. Check it out, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Okay, next up on the show we have coaches. What's music? Yeah. Okay, I'll put some music on. Need some music. Wait a second. Need some music. 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 Coaches corner. 
John had put a bit of pimp star music nice, on there. Nice. Put a, you know, Big Daddy. Yeah. Big Daddy John Newsom. Big Daddy John Newsom. Big Daddy John Newsom. Uh, Project John. Coach, Project John. Coach maybe. John. Project2014.com. That's where you want to go, team. So I had an email through from uh, Adam Bardsley, and he was saying, following your Project 2014 with interest, it was great to hear you so stoked on the podcast after your Auckland race. When a battle-hardened ex-pro who led Ironman South Africa and took down Peter Reid. Yeah. Peter, I'm gonna, Peter Reid's coming up on uh, Legends uh, shortly, and uh, we'll be reminding him of that. Don't worry. I'm, I'm sure he's still losing sleep over that one, John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's great. We can get psyched. Um, when, uh, when you can hear from an ex-pro, you can still get psyched. And it gives us hope to us numpties that one day we, um, it's possible for us to do that as well. Uh, cutting the chase, I don't think you've ever... We've, you, ever heard you mention on this show all your training updates um, but I was wondering what your max heart rate was you obviously know an awful lot about training so I'd be interested to hear um, what relative intensity you work at as I don't train with power I realise there's an element of personal strengths and don't make it as one dimensional as that but it would be useful to useful guide so Adam what I did is I actually scrolled back um, into some old data for myself and actually found a couple of um, Lactate tests that I did, uh, which I thought might be reasonably interesting. These were done in 2005 and 2006. And so I don't actually have a max heart rate number for you. And whenever I go and set heart rate values for athletes, um, I use a combination of things. I might use a little maximum heart rate test. Um, my preference is to get them to do a, a bike test in the lab and, yeah. and use that as, as the first marker. And then I'll use time trials and then I'll look at race data. So it's a bit of a combination of things, but I think just using your maximum heart rate in isolation is quite dangerous. Um, so if you have got a reasonably priced sports science testing facility, um, I think that is the best starting point. And you're going to get lots of people these days that say, oh, it's a waste of time, you know, this four millimole stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's old school, it's rubbish. It, it gives you a really good starting point. It might not give you the right numbers, but it gives you a starting point. So to give you some idea on, in terms of my heart rates, um, if you're looking at some of my race files from um, from Auckland or, or other events or training that I do, um, I basically work off the Hellman's terminology of easy, steady, moderately hard, hard and very hard. And uh, when I did a lactate test, um, I started at a heart rate of about 110, and that gave me a millimole of 2.8 millimoles with my lactate. And what basically happens is as you progress along um, with lactate testing, your lactate all of a sudden comes to a point where it starts to rise a bit, and that's called your generally called your aerobic threshold and then when it starts to rise quite steeply and goes through four millimoles that's what's turned your anaerobic threshold and again there's different sports scientists and stuff are going to debate all this stuff but it gives you a starting point so Adam to try to answer your questions a bit when I'm racing um, an Ironman um, I'm looking at having a cap heart rate when I'm when I haven't raced to power of, of around about 135 beats per minute and if I was to estimate what my maximum heart rate on the bike is, um, I'd probably say it'd be in the mid-170s. Um, and if I was to say what my anaerobic threshold is, it would be around about low to mid-150s. So I'll say that again. So when I'm doing uh, an Ironman race, my heart rate will be about uh, up to 135. That's a ceiling, not a target. And my anaerobic threshold is, is low to mid-150s. When I look at um, what I did in Auckland, um, my heart rate on the bike there averaged around about 144, which is um, still below anaerobic threshold, um, and that was probably a bit variable. The course up there was a bit up and up and down. So 
uh, that's where I sort of sit for a uh, Olympic distance race. And on the run, basically all my zones are around about 10 beats higher. Um, so I don't, I very, very rarely run to heart rate. I these days almost exclusively run to pace. And maybe I can go, I'll go into, I think I'm going into it next week, is how to set a realistic Ironman pace. So that's a little bit of a summary. And I've got with these two charts that I've got from my run and... Are these on your website? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll put them on the website and I'll send you a link so people can check this out. But yep. it's, um, it's quite interesting looking at my running. It really shows how efficient I am at lower zones because when I do my lactate testing, yeah, I had really quite a few points um, which are very, very low levels of, of lactate and then it shoots up very, very quickly. Well, you're pretty good to about one high 150s really, aren't you? And then mm. bang, you go up. Mm. Like 170, your lactate's massive. Yeah, so in terms of my max heart rates, I'd say uh, on the bike, um, around about mid-170s and on the run, around about mid-180s. But, but, but I have not done a maximum lactate, a maximum heart rate test in a very very long time for those people who can't afford power mm. I know you kind of answered this on the bike but you know they're a little bit newer to the sport for biking heart rate still a good gauge oh yeah definitely um, so I'd, I'd say go through that, that that sort of system that we've got is, is firstly if you can go get a lab test done and yep. um, and, and the, the test that I've used in the past has just been four minute stages at each level now it is more beneficial to do longer stages but it's not critical, you know. We're and, just and looking for a starting point. And we're looking for a total new person here. Yeah, you know, we're looking for a starting point. We're not looking for, you know, when we talk to that guy, San Milano. Um, You're pretty good at remembering names. Uh, I don't, I don't remember yeah, okay. names, yeah. From from a while ago, you know, he was really saying you need a ten minute stage to get really accurate data. We're just looking for a starting point here, and just to give you some ceiling values. So I think first step, if you can, go get a lactate test done. Second step um, would be if you can't do that, go and do a maximum heart rate test and then uh, I'm not going to go into all of that now, but you can set some zones based off that and, and maybe I'll go into that in a few weeks time. Yeah. Um, you can set some zones off that. Then what you need to do is once you've had a look at your maximum number, not everybody is great at getting a maximum number, they're just either... Well, some people don't have the mental capacity to exactly, develop that, yeah. Exactly, and then that takes some time to develop. Um, then you go and do a time trial, and then you can have a look at your numbers from actually doing a maximum effort time trial and um, and a max heart rate test, and then you'd have a look at your race numbers. So you need to do a few races where you, the sprints is fine, sprints are Olympics, where you probably don't race to heart rate, but where you've had the capacity when you've got off the bike and you've actually had a reasonable, dis, reasonable run, you can look at your bike file um, and say, that's my heart rate there in a race, that's my heart rate there in a time trial. That's my right there in a in a, uh, in a maximum test, and that should give you enough data to actually set some reasonable parameters, some upper levels not to cross when you do Ironman, and they should always be upper levels. You don't need to have targets necessarily, I believe, in an Ironman race. You just need to have some numbers you don't go across, and that's for power and for um, and for heart rate. And that way, you'll set yourself up for a reasonable run. John, John, I suppose the question that a lot of people would like to know would be, okay, well, let's say we've done all these tests and we know our easy, steady, moderate, hard zones and all the rest of it. But how do we know how to use those in training? Well, that's where heart rate does become a lot more variable. With power, you can be pretty specific. and mm. fit, you know, you, Of course, you still have your good days and your bad days, 
but heart rate is a lot more variable. So I would say, um, again, you've got your ranges. So, you know, my steady range is 122 to 135. And um, so if I'm trying to do some Ironman specific work, you know, generally I'm going to be looking to try to keep it 130 to 135. There might be days out there where my heart rate's sitting at 125, I'm looking at my speed, and I'm going, I'm going pretty quickly here. Yeah. Um, and just you feel my heart like rate pushing the effort as well. Yeah, my heart rate's just a bit suppressed. So again, you set up your zones, and as long as you're in, in within the zones, and you use it as one marker. So you'd use your heart rate as one marker, you use your pace as one marker, and you use your perceived effort as a marker as well. Mm. So I'd say generally it can be um, a little bit on the low side. If it's on the, it's more if it's on the high side, you've got to be a little bit careful. If you're going to for, for running these days, go get a GPS watch. Yeah, that's the way to go. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, it really is. Um, and or use an iPhone or something. I mean, the iPhone and stuff is not not ideal, but it's yeah. I, I run with an iPhone; it doesn't bother me at run, all. Run to pace. Yeah, yeah, it's the way to go. Again, still some variables there, but run to pace. Just run to pace. Yeah, just run to pace. Okay, John. Adam Barsley. Oh, you already done it. Yep. Um, sponsor Coffees of Hawaii. John Albert just sent me through a link to a, a uh, the um, he sent me through a link to. <laughs> must be good. You can't remember it. Pink Floyd. Yeah. He sent me through a, a Pink Floyd documentary. Albert knows not to send me those ones. He just put you on it. Oh, I love it. Albert, Albert sends me through some good content. He sends me some good books and good Pink Floyd. I watched it. It was awesome. VH1. Mm-hmm. How the album was made. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nice. So anyway, sorry. How how long, Bevan? Do you think the Chrissy phenomenon is going to keep getting talked about a lot in, in triathlon? Do you think it's starting to fade now? No, because Chrissy's quite good in the UK. She's pretty good. She's made a name for herself. Mm. Chrissy is, I, yeah, I think Chrissy will be around because Chrissy really wants to have a bigger impact, doesn't she? That, mm. that seems to be what I, how I perceive it. Um, so I, I think anyway, my, my point is, I think we're talking about her a lot less, and and she's going to start in our start, world. Yeah, she's going to start to oh, sort yeah, of fade a bit. Yeah. So you need to get onto coffees of why and make sure. Who knows how much longer the Chris, the Chrissy coffee is going to be around? But it's still around at the moment. Wow! You got the Queen Kahamano Espresso, which is a hundred percent Chrissy coffee, and you got the Queen Kahamana Vanilla Macnut. Well, what's great about that one? If you actually buy it, and it's quite cool because it's got the picture of Chrissy over the finish line. Mm. But if you buy it, buy it, then some of the the money goes to two of the organisations, the John Blazeman. Yep, and the girls' education, education in Nepal. Nepal. And it's got the website here, and it's looking pretty cool. So it's a triple win here. You're supporting I Am Talk by buying stuff yep. off Coffees of Y, supporting Chrissy's charities, awesome, and, and you're getting you get, and you're getting some quality coffee. And what you could do is you could even say, I'm just giving money away for charity, and your and, coffee turns up. And there's a fourth point. You use some of the I Am Talk codes, and you get a discount. Oh, Sean. <laughs> Everybody's a winner. Every everyone's a winner, baby. That's the truth. That's the truth. You know that man? Don't know that one. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. They're saying you sexy thing. Yeah. You sexy thing. Yeah. Thanks, Bjorn. Yeah. Joe's just walking past. Yeah. Well, she knows I love you. Yeah. Um, so check it out. Coffeesofwhy.com. Yeah, if you want their promo codes, go to imtalk.me. It's pretty cool. Coffees of Why, isn't it? Mm. And if you want to check out a good documentary, VH1. Wait a second, let me put this email. Where we go? VH1, The Making of the Dark Side of the Moon. Have you listened to that album? No. Have you ever been into Pink Floyd? No. No, neither really. But I think if you want a bit of a psychedelic experience, John, if you want to get a little kind of right. like, start thinking yep, about that's a deeper level, how they're all against us, John. Right. It's us against them. That's Pink Floyd, basically. Right. That was, that's how I seem to perceive them. Mm. And uh, Dark Side of the Moon. I'm going to send you this documentary. You should watch it tonight. Yeah. Right. Delete yeah. button's going to get over, your, over time today. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's... Okay, anyway, what are we up to next? Music. Music? You want some music? Here's some music.
side of the week. John, propaganda again. No, you're talking about documentaries. We've got a good one here. Oh, Dark Side of the Moon, it's us versus him. Us versus them. Yeah, this this is going to make you a better person. Really? Forks over knives. Forksoverknives.com. I haven't actually watched it yet, but I'm sure it must be good. Is it a doco? It's good. I've got a doco here. Um, it's uh, Let's read the email out. I'll, I'll read it out. Um, John Ewing sent us through plant-based diet. Hi, guys. Just started listening and thoroughly enjoying your work. I've heard several mentions about the China study, etc., a topic I'm very interested in, and I can point you in the direction of a great film, Forks Over Nice, Knives. Also check out Rip Esselstein. I remember that name from donkeys years ago. Really? Um, Rick, Rip Esselstein. I'm a former top triathlete whose father is a leading light in the plant-based eating world, as well as being a former cardiac surgeon, and Rip has taken up the fight to educate people. Would make a great interview, I think. Um, and so, yeah, ForksOverKnives.com. I haven't looked, watched a documentary. I'm going to be buying it, and I'm going to be watching it. Well, no wonder. Yeah, of course. You would. Wait yeah. a second. Let's pause and watch the trailer. I've already watched it. The trailer looks great. It does look pretty similar to the, to the, um, the other one I, I China watched. China Study? No, what was that one called? Propaganda for No Meat? Is that what it's called? Uh, I think so. And it was, I hate meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you eat meat, you're an idiot. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was good anyway. It looked pretty similar. But anyway, one of the things I really liked about this website was um, they've got a really big recipe section. So I'm cranking through some of those Can recipes. Can I pause and watch the trailer? Uh, yeah. Well, because I don't have an idea, John. Well, you should have done your piece. Well, I didn't realise it was a movie. The website's a bit weird. I wasn't sure if the, movie, movie, uh, the website was trying to sell me stuff or not. No, no. It was a bit, it's not very clear. Pumpkin pie square. I'm looking forward to making that for the kids. So if you've got gluten-free kids and, or you're gluten-free yourself, there's quite a few gluten-free recipes on here, all healthy, nutritious stuff. John and I, Joe and I were having a what if you were rich last night discussion. Yeah, and you wouldn't eat meat? Oh, no, we'd have better meat. <laughs> that was the So I was like, Joe, when we were rich, you know, because it's like when you're rich, you're going to spend more money on food. You're mm. nice. You know, like we spend about 200 bucks a week on food. What do you Bloody spend on food? Hell. What do you spend? A lot more than that. Really? What do you spend? I would say we'd be three fifty probably. Yeah, but you've got four. Mm. Well, they're two kids. You guys, you must eat a lot. Mm. Use them. Mm. And you don't have meat. Oh, we have a bit of meat. Well, wait a second. You say no meat. I'm not saying no meat. I'm just saying less meat. Well, a lot so of people have meat every meal. Every meal. You know, not every every meal, every day, every dinner. They yeah. probably have meat seven times a week. Well, I probably well, no, we don't every night. But I would if it's I not could. sustainable, Bevan. <laughs> anyway, you go watch your trailer. <laughs> you don't need to Rational watch your trailer. Rational optimist. Rational optimist. Um, anyway, John, what I'm saying is, we were talking about if you were rich, when we're rich, when we can probably spend three to four hundred dollars a week on food and not bother us. Yeah. What would you have? And I was like, I know I'm rich when I have avocados all time throughout the year for breakfast. Avocado mm-hmm. on toast with. with um, Fresh tomatoes, bit of salt and pepper. Yeah, and I would love to be able to afford to buy all organic stuff. That would be but when you know I, you're rich, when? Yeah. And Joe came back and she said nice meats every night. So mm. she's screwed, isn't she? <laughs> Cardiac arrest coming your way, Bevan. Nice knowing you. With <laughs> 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 avocados and, and meat, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Just fat and, and more fat. Yeah. And protein. And, um, anyway, I'm looking forward to watching it's been this. It's nice doing the show. Yeah. Are you going to watch the trailer? Well, I'm like, okay, okay, wait, I'll pause and I'll come back. Okay, okay. wait a second, here we go. I'm going to watch some propaganda, guys. I'll watch it too. Okay, here we go. We're back, John, and there's two things that I really liked about that. It's that simple. It's that simple, John, it's that simple. Just need First thing I like, they were eating avocados, so I'm yeah. allowed my avocados. Good. And there was an Iron Man finisher in it. 
Was there? Yep. So that was that was about the best part of it, really. How's this sound? Lentil shepherd's pie with rustic parsnip crust. Sounds like crap if you ask me. Lentil pie. Awesome. That was the main thing that Not as good as a steak stuck. pie, good old steak and cheese. The, the documentary trailer is pretty pretty dramatic, and uh, <laughs> everybody's going to die. Basically, and, uh, and I'm not I'm, I'm not in that uh, not in that camp. Um, Two books to read, John: Science of Fear, Rational Optimist. Read them, team. For um, just, there's some fantastic recipes on here. That was the main thing that drew me to it, and nice vegetarian based recipes. It's a bane in my life, bloody. When I love it, I love cooking, but for us as a family. Very challenging with our, with our kids in terms of. Do they grow out of it? Well, not at this stage, no. Because I had a mate, Chris Hayton, who I used to when I was a joinery before I went to university, old Chris Hayty, mm. and uh, and he was a kid who had real bad eating problems. But when he got to a teenager, it kind of yeah, no. So we're gluten free, dairy free, soy free, citrus fruits free, food free, nut free. Oh, man, you're screwed. Um, and so it's real challenge. So, so these, in all seriousness, these these websites are, are really useful for me in terms of trying. Tomatoes are a real bitch that we've got, we can't can't really put in there. Very high acidity. So websites like this for me are fantastic. Oh, you poor thing. Mm. That is a big burden, isn't it? It's yeah. It's it's a challenge, but it's um. Okay. Hey, there's lovely kids. Bigger problems out there. Yeah, this exactly. Thing. You love your kids. Um, okay. Um, quick, quick, quick questions and answers. Because well, we've added a few. Oh, oh, here we go. Okay. We have, um, Ken, do, Ken. Ken and Julianne Fox. The Travelling foxes Traveling they are. Foxes. We sent through an email about um, the hits. Yes, and so we, we, had a bit, we haven't really heard too much about the hits. You know, it looks like their field sizes are increasing um, a bit. It sounds from the feedback that we're getting from them, they've done a couple of them. It still sounds like it's, it's quite old school, pretty basic stuff in terms of the level of support you get on the course. And I think as long as that's communicated to the athletes saying there's not going to be a huge amount of people on the course, you're paying this amount of money, um, this is the level of support you're getting, I think it's fair enough. But it, she did, um, was it Kevin who wrote it? or was yeah, it, it was Kevin, uh, I think. Kevin. Um, it's Ken, Ken and Jules saying there's minimal volunteers on the course, so you really need to be um, self-sufficient, and uh, and they, they could really pick up their game a bit there in terms of having a bit more marshalling on the course because they have had a few instances where the course has either been long or short or people have gone the wrong way. Yeah. So I think they've still got to do a bit of work there. The other one we brought up last week was um, you were commenting about San Diego and the no ITU. Watching, yeah. You were watching, you saying there was hardly anybody there, and I was just saying, oh, maybe there was, and apparently there wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> um, you guys were dead on the money regarding the minimal amount of spectators there. There really was bugger all. Um, they watched both the males and females and said it was awesome. There were a couple of thousand amateurs from the morning that were long gone, mind-blowing as they hit the world's... Um, I know. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, maybe triathlon's not big in the community and you're not going to draw many of the general public, but you've got a couple of thousand triathletes racing in the morning. Mm. Are you going to hang around and watch Alistair Brownlee? Mm. But I think that's where you've got to think about venues and what have you because like in Auckland we race at seven o'clock in the morning if the pros are racing at three or four in the afternoon and you're out in the middle of nowhere then it's quite a challenge and if, if you don't create the environment was it, was it that much of a time gap I, I just I don't know but I'm just trying to say that yeah, it's, it's, it's the race organizers responsibility to make it appealing enough to stay to stay there and watch it and I think having the entertainment there having you know if you're expecting people to wait around have a, have a, have a shower facility there um, have some, some good changing areas and have some entertainment and when it comes down to the course 
you've got to have some hot corners and things like that where you can actually, and that was one thing that was lacking a bit in Auckland I felt, we were on the, the, the real heartbeat of the course on the bike which is straight up a hill, they should have had music pumping up there and all that yep. sort of stuff, got to think about those things to make it really appealing for people to be there and that's where the Europeans really get it right is they've got some uh, they get massive crowds to some of the races because they make it a real Event. festive thing yeah, and, and, yeah. and then Roach, you know, you've got these turnarounds and there's music pumping there and bands playing and the beer miles and all that sort of stuff so um, yeah. Well, what's really interesting as well is if you do that stuff well for the for the general area it, you're showing the return on the investment of having mm. the race there you know like Roat love him. you go to Roat and everyone in Roat it's like yeah this is a great race to have in our community mm. and everyone in the community gets behind it and they make it a bit of a day you know everyone's on the piss mm. when you're having a race and mm. you know and I'm sure that brings a lot of money in for the community not just the you know the races and the people who come to the race but also everyone in the community probably spends more money has a, an eventful day that they remember every year exactly you know and yeah I don't know just Another item of news um, from last week's show, we had Adam Otstot um, on the show, who was yep. an age grouper turning to racing in the pro division, and he had a baby girl on Friday the 26th. Oh, I got someone. Case, oh, yeah. Cassidy Claire Otstot. I can't remember who this is, but um, oh, no, Rob, the Essex Butch, Book Buccaneer, or the Orange Canyon is a pirate. Mm. He's got a crew of uh, pirates. I was, I was going to include that when we, when we had, that's all right, you include it now. Oh, no, we can wait. I was going to wait. It's around Iron Man Lanzarote. When is it? It's in a couple of weeks. Okay. So I've, I've saved that. Pirates, up in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, what other ones have I got here? Um, oh, just David, uh, Michael Davidson um, had a mention of us in his race report from Ironman South Africa. Mm-hmm. And he listens to the show. So nice work, Michael. I uh, love your work. He's talking about the nutrition interview that we did. Yeah. And he had a pretty thorough um, race report, which I'll put it on www.imtalk.me. He's a South African pro. Yeah. he did, um, I can't remember what he did, about eight something. Nice. Yeah, pretty sharp. They saved that one from Richard Swan. Richard Swan, why? I'll, I'll put it into another show when we need a bit more content. But that's that's not that exciting. Oh, I think the person will find it exciting. Who's about? You want to wait for another week to? Eat? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, just one other thing, Christian Isaacson. We had the uh, clip to that on uh, the the clip about him doing his thing, and uh, someone else sent through an email saying, you know what, he's trying to fundraise a lot of money. If we want to put a link to it where you can support him. Um, that would be great. He's not racing in Haiti. He's doing his missionary work in Haiti, and he's racing. I think Ultraman Canada. Would that be right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, John's not even listening. And um, and do you think I'm a legend? Um, oh, now he listens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so we're going to put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. Plus, uh, we'll put it on Facebook as well. And then, so you don't want to mention Swanee? No. What's this one about the um, the? Tech Swim Course. Okay, so good old Skip Slade was saying that at some stage we mentioned that Ironman Texas may be a time trial start. Heard it through the grapevine. Well, he's, he did the work. He yeah. actually went to the organisers and said, is it? And they said, no, no, it's not going to be. It's uh, it's going to be the same as it's always been. Um, yeah, so basically it's a normal Ironman start. Cool. So there we go. Sponsor. Why do you want to do I don't get why you don't want to do Swanee's one. Well, save it. We need content. We've been going for an hour of 30 or something, haven't we? An hour 20? Yeah, yeah, no. But, no. but it's not. But it's not. It's not content. Well, no, it is. I'll make. I'll make it content. Yeah, you make content out of this one. Trust me, I'll make content. I make content out of anything. Yeah, okay. Good uh, luck with that. Oh, well. Swanee, look out. Yeah. Okay. Um, Stream endurance. So I had an email from one of the athletes that I coached this morning, um, race of the weekend, and he just said, damn, that extreme endurance works really well. I came off it for the winter and back on it in the past month. I raced all out yesterday and the legs feel fine today. It was only a sprint distance race. Um, with the past cycle of on, off, on, I can really see the benefits. There you go, Bevan. 
That's about all we need to say. Bloody but, well but you works. Know what? That is the feedback we seem to get, isn't it? Mm. You know, like I don't think we've ever had an email from someone saying, oh, it's a waste of time. Exactly. And it's no, a, we really haven't, have we? And it's an inexpensive way to test things out. And we were talking before about, you know, trialing things and, yep. and trialing nutrition, practice, practice, practice. And um, and it's an inexpensive way. I think it's 39 bucks, I think, for a, a container, which will last you a month. And that is more than enough time. Like I was only on it for... 10 days before Auckland and I re- honestly believe it was a fairly significant player in terms of how well I performed up there um, relative to where my fitness is was 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 taking that and again I had minimal muscular soreness after the race which is one thing but I was um, you know also the ability to push very very hard on the run I'm assuming you know the lactic buffering was, was sort of kicking into action there as well so it's worth a try guys um, if you haven't tried it out yet um, use the code or anybody can use the code I am talk five and they'll give you a five buck d- discount off extreme endurance or any of their products on on the the site so check it out and if you come on any of the camps if you come on uh, camp to Kona I'll be going back to Kona next year if anybody's interested. Um, doing a loop the island for the Kona seventy point three and uh, next year as well. Yeah, I'll be going every year. Yeah, oh, every year for the rest of your life. The rest of my life. Wow, it's because I'm eating all these vegetables, Bevan. I'll be. That's I'll right. keep going forever. That's another two hundred years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, and also I'll make sure I've got some sample packs as well when we go to Thailand as well for the um, the camp in the September. So check it out, Extreme Endurance. Um, give it a try. Use code I'm Talk Five. What what, what kind of bike you're riding? Sipo. Well, Gina, Gina, Gina Ferguson's got a new bike, or Gina Crawford's got a new bike. Yeah. She's got a Sipo as well. Yeah. But she's got a new Sipo. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just saying, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I bet it does. I'm just giving some love to your sponsor. Yeah. No, Sipo is awesome. Awesome. Really? Well, Gina, Gina, Loving Gina, it. Say, Gina Crawford. Is it Gina Crawford or Ferguson? Uh, Crawford. It used to be Ferguson. That's right. I was just checking you knew. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. Anything else, John? Uh, that is it. Do we want to do IM finishes? No, nah, hasn't been any races recently. Okay, sponsors. We'll do, we'll do it after. Uh, we'll do it next week or so. Once I'm in Australia for doing I'm in Australia uh, this weekend, go on to imtalk.me and uh, tell us about your race and okay. the community. Okay, guys, a couple of quick things. Uh, sponsors, John. Coffees of Hawaii. Um, Pink Floyd. Athlinks.com. Seventy point three Wanaka winners. Extreme endurance. It just works. Trainingpeaks.com. Um, you're great. And use code I am talk. Yeah, um, get discount. And slstry.com. Sale time, John. Sale time. Nice. If you want to email us, email us on I am talk at gmail podcast at gmail.com. Also, um, if you want to show email to you each week once I release it as an MP3 file, just go to www.iamtalk.me and fill in a little form in the middle column there. John, what you got? Got back from Kai Terry, uh, Terry yesterday. and Oh, actually, John, can I interrupt? Yes, you can. You may. Tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Legends of Triathlon's out. Is it tomorrow? Yeah, some stage tomorrow. Got to got to do the final bits of content. Uh, tomorrow, Legends of Triathlon's out, and we're really excited to let you know, guys know that Brad Bevan's on the show, and we recorded the interview what week two weeks ago. Week two ago. Yep. Um, cool interview, man. Good mm. guy. And nice, kind of nice to talk about because really most of the pros we've interviewed to this point have kind of been eighty years. Mm. You know, and he's probably more much more nineties. Yeah, and it's not well. We've I suppose we have, you know, Greg Welsh. Yeah. We've had some nineties guys, but he was he was just really cool interview around a really fascinating time with triathlon, wasn't it? He was awesome, legend. He really is, isn't he? Mm. And, and probably not recognised by many people. Well, it's because he did not learn. No, most of the others, um, yeah, you've obviously got your big four. They were they were just massive. Yep. But then a lot of the other guys that were were, were 
with legendary status. They've stayed in the sport in some way. So Greg Welsh obviously has um, has stayed involved in the sport. Spencer Smith was just because he was a bigger than bigger than anything personality, and he did stay, stick around and he did Ironman and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, and a few of the others have probably got. You know, a few more world titles. We've got world titles. You know, Karen Smiles and and the like. Brad Bevan, in terms of ITU stuff, and that's probably another reason why he's not quite as remembered as no Hawaii titles or anything like that. ITU distance. The guy was a beast. Did he win the world championship? He never won the world champion. One of those, the best athlete that never won the world champs. Uh, he just didn't. Uh, he won the world cup circuit a number of times. He won gazillions of. Um, World Cup races, but uh, for whatever reason, he had a few medals at the World Championships, but um, did not take home the bacon. Wow! Had a, it was second. Never Carter, did he? Carter Sorry, never, Carter never won World Championships. No, no, no. Which is out of it, eh? You think those guys? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Who was the Who was the most undeserving World Champion of all time? Um, which is a harsh call, yeah. But, but still, well, somebody who's good. You know, you think of the people that it's have, like the person who I don't know where wins it and never does anything ever again. Daniel Unger, um, the German dude, won it one year, and he hasn't done very much since. He won it, I think, when it was in Hamburg. So that's just off the top of my head. Yep. Uh, girl side. Of Would things. you rather be a guy who wins it once and never does anything, or a guy who has a pretty good career but never wins it? Uh, pr- I don't know. What would you like? It's a hard question, isn't it? Mm. It's Financially, I think you're probably better off being the guy that didn't quite win it. You got, you know, heaps and heaps and heaps of podiums yeah. and a nice long career than than a. I think I'd rather have a long career. Mm. It's still you'd, you'd end it going. Oh. Mm. Oh. Mm. Oh. Can't think of any um, female world champions off the top of my head that have won at once. And when when Erin Baker did the ten thousand for the Commonwealth Games and she was qualifying for that, what time was she running? Pretty fast, I don't know, but it was pretty fast. Was it pretty quick, was it? Yeah. Was she able to qualify? No. She, she didn't quite get there? No. Okay. I'm almost positive on that. Scott, you can call me up on that if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I'm almost positive she did not qualify. Okay. John Boat. Because you would have gone if she qualified. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so what you got? She got back from Criteria? Got back from Criteria and had a good week up there. Fantastic weather, which was a total surprise. And managed to squeeze in a run last night. I wasn't expecting that. We got up at five yesterday and got all packed up and got on the road at seven. So got back on good time. This week's going to be messy, Bevan. Not, I'm not happy. I don't. School holidays sucks. <laughs> it really does. Belinda's working more. It's going to be a mere of a week on the training front. Do you know what the thing is? When your kids get sixteen, you don't even see them. Mm. I've been school holidays. I've only seen my daughter once. Nice. She rings me last night. She goes, "I'm going to come stay tomorrow." Oh, I don't even know what you look like. Yeah. Who are you? Exactly. Creepers, creepers. So, got back, hedgehog swimming in the swimming pool. Oh, like really? swimming, dead in the swimming pool again. Every time we go on holiday, damn hedgehogs. Maybe they have a party. They, they They're probably they ripping it up. Yeah. Got the bit of rap in the background. Yeah. Boom, boom, poof, boom, boom, boom. Uh, had a swim in my Blue 70 Helix in uh, Kaiteri. Wow. Fitted her. That's first, a bit disappointing, isn't it? First time That's she... A, doesn't make you feel like a manly man, does no. it, when your missus can fit your suit? She, uh, first time she ever swam in a wetsuit. In a, in a triathlon sort of wetsuit. Did she like it? Uh, she said, this, this is cheating. You're just so high in the water. You yeah, just, it is cheating. Yeah, yeah. There's no denying that. Yeah. So she said it wasn't so good for a breaststroke. She, she was just doing breaststroke. She wasn't really doing freestyle. Oh. Why pretty, did you put was, on? Was it just cold? Yeah, I was pretty still pretty stoked though. End of April, I'm still open water swimming. Yeah. Pretty good. I had four well, swims we had the best summer ever. Yeah. So ever, ever, ever. Uh, outside of that, Bevan, it's tough when you come back from a week being away. A lot of work to the next few days. Really? Mm. Do you want a hug? Yeah. Good. 
I'll give you another show. Bear in what's happening in your world. Well, John, quite a few things have happened. A couple of things have happened. We went to see Iron Man 3. Right. Check it out. It was quite good fun. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're going to see that this week. Do you yeah. take the kids to the movies? No. Uh, but we might. They're, they're about now where we can start taking them. We once took Tyler when, when it was Oscar the Grouch movie or whatever, yeah. or, or, or Elmo goes to Grouchland or whatever, and yeah. the show was about three. That was a bad move. Mm. No, the kids will sit there and watch it these days. It's just kids screaming the whole time. It was mm. all kids in the theatre. It was pretty horrible. Um, then we had a games night set the night. It was quite fun. Yeah. Had porno and Take the crew um, we played this quite a fun game where it's kind of like an improvisation game and it was quite fun. But then afterwards we played a headbands game. Mm-hmm. You know, put the headband on mm-hmm. and you have a character and each person has a guess. You ask mm-hmm. a question and who can guess their character first. Yeah. And we have a guy called Mark, um, Mark Rippo, who's a, who's a bit of a character. He's a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a funny character. And he had Papa Smurf was on his headband mm-hmm. and for the life of him he couldn't get it like yeah. we, we everyone had pretty much got and he just still couldn't get it. and you get to that point where you're just giving away obvious clues yeah. to who he is he finally gets it and guess what right. he had written down Papa Smurf so he was the person who wrote down his answer oh, and he God. didn't get it so that was quite entertaining we had Guess Who up at Kaiteri Belinda bought the kids Guess Who that's a good game it is a good game yeah what's your strategy well then in the new Guess Who you have two people at a time it makes it quite a bit more challenging oh what do you mean so you got your you got your you got your your people. Yep. Uh, you got two rows of people, and you got to move your little gauge, and you pick two people. Oh, so really? So it's going to be a bit more tactical. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because I used to always just go hair color. Yeah. You know, if you can get, if you can get a blondie, mm. you're in a good position, and mm. guess who, aren't mm. you? Yeah. So. But then occasionally you might go random things like, mm. have they got a dimple? Right. Yeah. And if, if it's it's a, it's a hit or miss. Facial hair was quite a good one. Facial hair is quite a good one. Hair. Color eye. If they got blue eyes. Yeah. It's a risk. Yeah. But if they get the blue eyes, you're pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else has been happening, John? Um, played with a bit of a band last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. What should a band name be, John? Um, if you were to name a band. Rip It Up. Rip It Up? Yeah, there you go. Okay, Rip there we up. go. Wait, so you can watch, listen to this. Rip It Up! Oh, <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> if everyone's got his volume turned up too loud, that was my Eames Power Cookie. Sorry, team. Sorry. Yeah. So that was Newsome, not me. <laughs> um, got to go see Wayne Brady. Who? Wayne Brady. See a famous All Black or something? No. Have you seen um, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. Did you like Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is have you seen the Richard Simmons on, on Whose Line? I don't know who Richard Simmons is, so... He often does this. He throws his pen across the table. Come on, disgusts. Richard Simmons, the aerobics yeah. guy from the eighties. Uh, if you show me a picture of him, I know who it is. I'm not. Don't know the name though. Okay, John. Yeah, John. Do you get out much? <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> you need to eat some meat and get out yeah, some more. Yeah. So, John, Richard Simmons on on. If, seriously, it's probably one of the funniest things you can ever watch. Go onto YouTube mm-hmm. and and look at up Richard Simmons on whose line is it anyway. It's we can't watch it now because it's about eight minutes long. But it's seriously. How do you spell Simmons? Is it S I or S Y? Yeah, yeah, just yeah, S I, M M. Have you got Richard first? Who's? I'll go YouTube. Search YouTube and then search on YouTube. And um, it's seriously funny because Richard Simmons. I'm pretty sure he's gay. I'm not sure who yeah. he is, but I'm pretty sure he's gay. And he's pretty, oh yeah, I know who that is. He because he was on the New Zealand things. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And uh, seriously, it's wet your pants material. It's, Six minutes, 36 long. But Wayne Brady is the black guy who's on Whose Line Is It Anyway. No, we can't watch it I now. I can't watch it now. Six minutes, 35 long. Okay, okay, he's coming on now. But it's very, very funny. If guys, if you're, if you're at work right now, 
just pretend you're doing something else. Go on there and look it up. If you haven't seen it, I'm guaranteeing a laugh. Simmons, not Simmons. Whose line is it anyway? Richard Simmons. Go, we go on at the end of the show. So right, let's wrap it up. No. I'm what else you got? What else you got? Gotta go see Wayne Brady, John. Oh, Wayne Brady. Who's Wayne Brady? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did my spouting? Okay. You do that every week. <laughs> no, not the spouting in the house. Oh. It's a bit scary, really. Yeah. Because that side of the roof's a bit steep. Yeah. yeah. And I'm literally like like Spider-Man up against the wall. Yeah. And a few times a bit slippery. Yeah. I did think ACC could be coming on. Mm. Crazy. I'm painting in the middle of painting all my spouting. Are you really? Yep. That's even more of an ACC thing, hanging over the edge of the house <laughs> painting. <laughs> what, have you heard of a ladder? Yeah, it's too high. Really? So I'm really going to fall hard if I come down. <laughs> so what do you do? Do you... Do you... <laughs> Blinda gives me instructions from below and I hang over the edge and I paint it. It's high, it's high quality painting. It's <laughs> an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, it probably is. So you get a little bit scared at times? Uh, just once or twice. It's, I... it's only in a few areas. I've got, <laughs> only in a few areas I've got to do that. I'm not paying for damn painters scaffolding to come around. Do you know how much that stuff costs? Yeah, because that's the thing that is. I made it illegal in New Zealand that you have to have scaffolding. So everything suddenly got 10 times more expensive. Exactly. <laughs> right, I could just see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Project 2014 out the window. <laughs> it's a different kind of project. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's about it, John. Okay. I'll go watch Richard Simmons. Okay. Iron Russ. I'm in a train hard. Train smart. Kia Kaha. Kaha.